Welcome to another episode of the Ignited Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm Jessica, your host, and I invite you to join in and listen to a conversation with an amazing entrepreneur who has leaned into their passion and is igniting their life and the life of others. Welcome to another episode of Ignited Entrepreneurs. Today I have with me Dr. Heather Williamson of She's the founder of Transformation Group. She's an author and executive coach. Heather, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Jess. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, me too, because one of the things that we're going to talk about, and I don't want to, I shouldn't give it away, but we're going to talk about jerk bosses. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, And uh, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that, so I'm excited to see where this conversation takes us and some tips you've got for dealing with that. So can you please tell everybody who you are and what you do? So I am an executive coach. I'm a psychologist um, by training, social psychologist, where I specialize in leadership. And I own my own company where I've been doing this for about 14 years. And I work with executives and entrepreneurs to help them build their high-performing teams through actually building employee trust. Mm, I like that, employee trust. Can you share a little bit more about what that means? Sure. So as a boss, you are trusting, right, that your employees do the job that you pay them to do. I mean, that's kind of why we hire them. And it Also, if you think about it from the flip side, your employees are trusting in you that you recognize what their strengths are and utilize them uh, to the best of the employee's ability, plus really also think about it for the company as well. And they like to, you know, high-performing employees like to be challenged. They like to... um, experience new things. They are always striving to be better and they, they like the opportunity to show what they're really great at and their expertise and uh, working in teams is, you know, a lot of companies are doing that. So working well together and and achieving results, that's kind of what a high performing team really does well because they work together. And the boss, they're looking at the boss to recognize those skills and attributes and the knowledge that they bring to the table. Mm. And I would imagine to provide them enough of a space where they can be creative and and be um, just, yeah, engaging and and not necessarily putting it into too many little, like trying to put um, fit holes, put fit plugs into holes, if that makes sense, right? Right. Yeah. And they don't like to be micromanaged either. So, right. you know, give them a task and let them run with it. Yeah. Okay. So I'm curious. So you said that you, um, st- you were involved in social psychology. And so now you're working with teams and, and working with, um, you know, building high performance teams. So how did that transition happen? Or was that the goal the whole time? Uh, I don't think that was the goal the whole time. So really what happened was I was in a sales position years ago, obviously before I started my company, and we had the opportunity to go on 
actually two Outward Bound programs. And if you're not familiar with Outward Bound, it's very, it's a team building activity. And the company that I was with, they ended up uh, taking the sales force across the nation twice to two different locations. And part of that team building experience really was climbing poles and jumping off and doing rope courses and, you know, the infamous trust fall. Um, that part I did, but I, I didn't like it, <laughs> to be honest. And uh, what I really enjoyed was the small group work where they brought in an industrial organizational psychologist to facilitate, you know, how do we communicate better as a, as a unit? Because that's what we were, we were units. And how do we, um, how do we know and, or, and how do we exhibit those leadership skills that are going to help us and uh, move forward with our, our customers that we have? And so it was through that experience that I left, eventually left that company a year later and um, went back to school to get my PhD. And uh, part of that process, obviously, if you're in grad school, you know, you've got to write your, mas your master's thesis and your dissertation and, and all that mess. But really, I'd had a couple jerk bosses along the way. <laughs> and, um, and that's actually putting it nicely, but, you know. I, we, we've had those bosses that uh, either micromanage or they play favorites or they uh, don't treat you the same when it comes to promotions and uh, opportunities to take on new projects as given to others. But and it was through that experience that I really, really focused on what is it that I need to do to help bosses, and I just kind of say bosses because they, I work with people who actually have uh, employees. And, you know, what can I do to help them not make that mistake? Because what happens is if you've got a jerk boss, you are, if you're a high performer, you're not going to stay with that organization or that boss. You're going to leave because you know that you can be treated elsewhere a whole lot better. And so that was what I did because I left the company. And, um, and so it was through that experience that I really focus on what I do now. And, and that is to help create leaders that are not jerk bosses. <laughs> okay, so I have a question for you, though. Are the jerk bosses usually the ones that are likely to reach out and ask for help, though? Yeah, probably not. Not so far, not the ones that I've worked with. Actually, it was their boss that reached out. Oh, gotcha. And it, yeah, because they've had complaints from their employees where, um, you know, there have been complaints. And so they're like, all right, Heather, come in and you need to work with, you know, XYZ person and really help them develop the skills needed in order to not be a jerk boss and really to uh, treat people the way they should be treated as employees and, and to uh, lead them the way they need to be leaded. So I'm curious when you, so working with these, and I love it, we're just going to keep doing it, calling them jerk bosses. Um, like, is there one thing that you find that like causes them to be this way? Like, is it um, a lack of even fully understanding their job. So they're covering up for it, or is it they, they need significance? Like any idea what it is that causes people to be that way, or it's just, you can't dial it in that much. It's not that simple. Well, 
I think everybody is probably different and they all have their own reasons. I know for my jerk boss that I had, it, he had a quite the ego. And when, for me, I think he just felt threatened when um, other people within the departments were, was coming to me and not him to get things resolved and, and done. And so then I was posed as a threat. But you know, ego is huge. Also, it could be just a lack of job awareness or job skills. And so they are uh, trying to make the employees feel like they know what they're doing when they really don't. And uh, so it's, it, it can be a lot of different variables that come into play. But for me, those are two big ones that have ha has happened. And some people just like to be say, hey, I'm the boss do it because I said so. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's never good either. Mm -hmm. So now how do you, how do you work with them? Like, what are some of the um, like ways that you can help navigate without having to say, hey, knock the chip off your shoulder? Right. So <clears throat> interesting. I think for me, and it comes, I use a lot of my psychology background where I really try to get at the root of why they behave the way they do. So why is it that you have to be always right? You know, why is it that you don't accept responsibility? And when you get down to why they do what they do, you know, why they behave the way they do and getting them to understand what the, the impact of those behaviors are. So, for instance, if I had um, one client whose boss downplayed her talents to his seniors level um, executives. And so, and I wasn't working with him, I was working with his uh, uh, managers. So it was interesting when she would be telling me these stories and I was like, oh my gosh, that's horrible you know, why is he downplaying you, your talents? Because you, you know, what her job role, she was amazing at it. And, uh, and I was actually brought in from the mindset of more of succession planning. So, you know, these high, high performers, getting them ready for that next level. And so we, we started talking and I'm like, well, you need to start one documenting it because this is going to come back and bite him in the butt, which it did. He was actually fired. And, and the sad thing is, is that if he had reached out to me to say, hey, Heather, um, you know, I'm, I'm struggling in this area of really getting my people to, or acknowledging my people's wins, rather than me taking credit for it or downplaying them because I want to be looked at as the hero, right? And um, it, it, he would probably still have his job. But, you know, sometimes people just want to be perceived as it man on, you know, the big man on campus. And, you know, if you're looking at a team environment, that's just not going to play well. Right. So what if you are working with a company that does do a lot of um, like working in teams and they've isolated that there's, say, one person that kind of has an issue? Um, is there like soft ways that you can help? Um, somebody work with that dynamic? Sure. And I will tell you this. So there are assessments out there and there's one that I use called the DISC assessment. And this assessment I use because it focuses really on behaviors. It's not a personality test. 
and behavior when you're trying to improve somebody's behavior <clears throat> or improve the results is behavior that needs to change, right? And the DISC looks at, um, the D is you know, how decisive, it looks at how you, how you solve new problems if you're able to make decisions and your preference for challenges. And then the I stands for your love or your love or not love for interacting with new people and context and how you influence people. And then the S is the steady, that pace of the environment that you like to work in. So if you like something that's predictable, that you know what's happening every day, that like in a, I'm thinking of a banking industry, that um, would be perfect or like a, an accountant. Um, and then C is the compliance um, piece of it, where it's your preference for procedures and policies. You like having those constraints that tell you what you what you're what you're living by on a daily basis, such as let's say uh, an uh, an accountant, CPA, or lawyer. But I think when you are able to identify, you know how somebody's preferences are for their work environment, which this assessment shares that information, you know, how they like to be managed, what work environment they like to work in, how they like to be communicated with. And I think if you have information like that, then that will help with the team as a whole and will also help from a leadership perspective to have for them to have a better understanding of who they've got on their team. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I'm thinking to myself, like, as just a person, before I was to go and apply for a job, I would want to know this information about myself, so that I could basically be interviewing them to make sure that I'm a good fit, and they have a good fit for me. Exactly. I think some people these days, they're so interested in the job, they forget that, hey, you need to be interviewing the company as well, as well to make sure that you're going to really be a good fit, and it's where you want to land. Yeah. So is this something that your clients um, will adopt as part of their hiring process then? I've had a few that have uh, come to me for that purpose. Yes. And I, you know, my, my suggestion is, Hey, if you're going to be hiring, I mean, I wouldn't give it out to a blanket to everybody because you can see through their resume and past experience, uh, whether they're going to be, have the skills to do the job. But I think if you've got your top three to five candidates, then you might want to use that assessment to really figure out, um, you know, what it is that you're looking for in the team and do they have that skills, those behaviors that you're wanting. Yeah, because I would think that you would probably be wanting to um, look for different strengths depending on the position that you're hiring for. Right, so for example, if you've got some, a job that is really detail-oriented, you're going to want somebody to have that as a strength, which would be a high C in this, that, com that compliance, uh, preference for compliance, and not somebody so much as um, a high interactive person who loves people. They're great for sales, but they're typically not really good with the details. Right. <laughs> well, and that's the thing, too, is it's like, as like, I love assessments. I have a few that I do myself with my clients and I love them because they're just so great at like shining that spotlight on people's strengths. And I think it's so great to know like what you're really good at and, and play into those strengths. Like it's almost mm -hmm. like getting a superpower. Like oh, I know what I'm good at. Exactly. 
Yeah. So I'm just curious, like when you approach people with this, like, do they, do they see the value or is it something that you find that you really have to sell them on? Cause I mean, I'm a growth person. You wouldn't have to sell this on me at all. You know, typically I don't really have to sell it because it's yeah. just more information that people really want to have to, so they can make really good informed decisions. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's with that, um, you know, if you're that high I person, yeah, you're outgoing, you're energetic, you can be very expressive. And then at the other end of that dimension, it's all right, you're a little bit more reserved, a little bit more quiet, not so um, demonstrative in your, in your, um, and I'm just, and it's so funny because I'm part Italian. So I'm using my hands right now. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I could see you. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it's, it's, and with that assessment, nothing is ever bad. It's just, this is who you are. And these are just, you know, the, the range of where you fall on these, on these dimensions. Yeah. I think the only time it would be bad is if you were to go and apply for a job that required you to have, you know, like you say, like a high C, like really detailed oriented, and you've gone and applied for a job that's more influence related, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was also thinking as you were talking that as um, managers, hiring managers and HR uh, people, that would this lead into culture of the um, the organization as well? Would they you know, be using this to decide if somebody would fit their culture? It could be used for that because if you've got somebody who is, and there's values instruments as well um, that also kind of uh, help with those decisions with regard to culture, you know, or are you wanting somebody who is obviously, if you think of values, ethical, um, and those who are really, a good fit. So if you've got somebody with a, in an organization, you want diversity overall. I mean, you want people who are different because they all have different strengths. If everybody was, um, and let's just go back to that C dimension. If everybody was that uh, detail oriented and that person who is really has a preference for compliance, they're really slow to make decisions because they have to go through all that material before they feel like they're comfortable. So you need somebody who is a little bit more decisive. So when I'm talking about diversity, I'm talking about that with regard to, you need somebody on the team who is great at, at working with people, loves to influence, and you need somebody who's decisive. And then you always need somebody who is uh, likes that preference of, of um, doing that consistent work that is needed obviously within any organization, but culture plays a huge role. You, the culture really comes from the top down and putting people first and creating that environment of trust and also creating an environment where people can share their opinions without fear of retribution or being ignored is really important. Mm-hmm. So I'm just curious now, okay, so if we were to reverse some of this, and I let's just say I'm an employee, and I'm working for a company, and I have a jerk boss, and they're not necessarily prepared to reach out and try to solve that problem. Do you have any tips for the employees on how they can navigate working with a jerk boss? 
Well, it's funny because, and this may not work in every situation, but the example that I was sharing earlier where the vice president was putting down this employee's strengths, her skills that she was excellent at, the CEO approached her and said, gosh, I wish you had come to tell me this. So, you know, sometimes you feel like you can't go above that person's head. But if you are, you know, a high performing employee and you really work hard and you show your worth, then sometimes you have to go above that person's head or, or go to HR. Um, also, you can have a, if you feel comfortable, you can have that frank conversation of, hey, this is how you're, how you're managing me, you know, how you micromanage or you are second guessing everything that I'm doing. I, I don't feel comfortable with that. Actually, you're, I don't know why you're second guessing me. Can you explain why? And if you can get them to open up and share why they do that, that is also a step forward and to get them to see, um, you know, the impact of what they're doing and and how that, with the result that's happening. Yeah, that makes sense. And just to start opening up that dialogue and just create some awareness without necessarily blaming, but just saying, hey, like, what's really going on here? Right. And hopefully, you know, during these conversations, they should be having uh, at least once every other week, one-on-ones with their employees. And, And my big approach is, hey, you know, here's what we're working on, but what can I do as a boss to help you make your life easier or help you give the skills or knowledge that you need so you can be successful. I mean, that should be a question at the end of every conversation when it has, when you have those one-on-ones. That makes a lot of sense. But from somebody who's been, you know, in the working world for a really long time, that is not very typical, unfortunately. Uh, I know. And that comes back to company culture. Yeah. So some companies, they do that. And other companies, it's just because that you're also putting yourself on the spot as a boss, because you're making yourself vulnerable. And some people are not comfortable with that. Yeah. And I think also the, the flip side of that is that some, some people could even take advantage of mm-hmm. a boss being that open and vulnerable and transparent and willing to help and actually turn on them. So there could be that little bit of fear of doing that as well. Could be, yes. Yeah, especially the the dynamics. There's just so many interesting things going on. (laughs) Yes. Well, that that comes, you know, knowing your team, know who you can, um, who is hopefully not going to take advantage of your kindness. But there are some people out there that do. Well, and I guess that's, you know, one of the reasons why it would be so great to bring somebody like yourself in to be able to sort of teach these management and upper management people, um, you know, how to deal with these situations and how to manage their employees, manage their own emotions, all these things that I'm sure that you're helping them to do. Right, right. Yeah, because awesome. their, their goals should be, yeah, you got to get results, but you got, you can't do it by yourself. You as a leader have to get the results through your people. And so, putting them in a position of success is where the focus should be. Yeah, absolutely. So share more about uh, your book. Yeah. So my book is called Magnetic Trust, How Great Leaders Keep Top Performers and Get Extraordinary Results. So this book actually is um, based off my dissertation where I looked at trust in organizations, employee trust. And 
really, I came up with eight rules and the eight rules as a whole are what helps build trust from a leadership perspective with your employees. And so the first rule is to be authentic. I mean, you've got to show who you are and your vulnerability to a degree to say, hey, I don't know something, but I'll find out, right? You can't just say, um, do it because I said it and this is the way I want it done. And the second rule is to be predictable. This is really important because um, a lot of times as bosses, your emotions may kind of take hold and how you respond to employees. And so I had this one client and his, this was an executive VP with HR, and his philosophy was when you walk through that door as a manager, it is 80 degrees and sunny. And so I loved that philosophy and I've never forgotten it because it kind of sets up the mindset of, you know, what you, who you're going to be that day. Right. It, you're going to have a smile on your face. You're going to um, be happy and you're going to treat people, you know, be open to them because it is obviously 80 degrees and sunny. So, it, but it also with predictability, you have to be able to make sure that your situations are consistent and you're setting clear expectations. So there's no confusion. You know, people know exactly who you are and what you're going to do in situations, right? There's no second guessing. And then rule three is to be transparent. And, and have you ever taken a spin class, Jess? Maybe once. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, me too. Yeah. I don't like it. It's not my favorite. It's not my, not my favorite either. Lord knows. I don't think I could walk for a week after. Um, (laughs) But, you know, with spin, think about it. Spin should only be in a spin class. You should not be spinning what's happening in the company. You should not be spinning the truth and what's happening within the team. You know, you can't be selectively sharing facts or overemphasizing the positive and downplaying the negative. You got to be clear on the company goals. You know, what are the, what are the revenue, what the sales goals are, what's the market share, especially if you're, you know, that boss, you need to let people know what's going on. <clears throat> also, be, you know, be open and, and be transparent on the challenges that exist. So people are aware. And, and also when it comes to how people are measured, right? Don't you want to know how you're measured for, for performance? Absolutely. And uh, just, you know, keeping people in the loop. So they are, it gives them purpose. And then rule four is exhibit ethics. And so leaders, if you think about it, really they're in a position of power and they're in a position of power that impacts um, decisions and it impacts influence and how the actions that they take. So leaders should be doing the right thing, even when no one else is looking, you know, it should just be part of their, their behavior and none, and knowing really that lots of eyeballs are looking on them and they're watching what they're, what that boss is doing. They're watching also what he or she is saying. So they're a teacher in a sense. So if you're saying, oh, you know, um, you could have to be in the office from let's say nine to five and he skips out and you can see on his calendar or you hear afterwards that, oh yeah, he went to go play golf and have some fun. Well, you know, you're not, 
you're not being consistent, obviously, in, in the ethics that you should be exhibiting if you are wanting that from your people. And so it's talking with leaders and letting them know what, what they stand for and why decisions are made is important as well. And then rule five is communicate, communicate, communicate. And I say that three times really because communication is the biggest challenge in organizations. Sometimes it's like, oh, we communicate too much or you know, we don't communicate enough. So you also have to be you know, listening to what you're saying and doing. And um, so I had actually a client who was upset and she's um, uh, vice president in a sales position. And she was like, oh, I've got people all across the country, you know, West Coast, East Coast. And I keep telling them at the end of every, every month, you've got to give me your numbers by five, you know, give me your numbers by the end of the day. And I was like, all right, well, what's the end of the day? Because, you know, West Coast people, as you know, Jess, because you're on the West Coast, is different from East Coast like me. So Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> you got to be specific in what you want. So communication is, is key. I, hey, I want it by you know, Friday at 3 p.m. East Coast time. Um, but, you know, communicate through holding weekly uh, team meetings um, and, or one-on-one -on -one meetings. And since a lot of people are working virtually, a lot of companies, uh, my managers are actually having team meetings at the beginning of every day just to make sure that everybody's on the, on the same track and, and knows what they're going to be focused on. And, you know, give the why behind requests. Um, if you're gonna not going to do something or why you're doing something and, you know, give feedback, help others. Um, and then rule six is to own it, don't blame it. So I, that's kind of, I think, self-explanatory. <laughs> own your actions and outcomes because if you blame it on others, it's a weakness on your part. And so taking responsibility and apologizing for mistakes is key here. You know, lead by example. And then rule seven is show competence. And showing competence means that people can trust that you know what you're doing. So you know what's going on in the company from um, industry perspective. You know what's going on in the company from um, just the, the revenue and market share, whatever is happening there. And, and also how you act and negotiate is really key here, that they're confident that you're able to do that. So visiting with your team is important so you can show that you know what you're doing and you have the knowledge and skills to do it. And then rule eight, which is the final one is don't play favorites, which is one of my favorites because this was, you know, this happened to me. So, you know, it's the unfair awarding of promotions and bonuses. I mean, that's pretty blatant, but the less obvious ones are, you know, when you, as a boss, excuse lower quality work, you let it slide, um, or you spend time with select employees, whether it's playing golf with them or hanging out um, after work at a, at a bar. But so it's key to really treat everyone fairly when you're talking about the work hours and, and delegate projects based on merit and initiative and not um, favoritism. And you yeah. reward bad behavior. There's uh, something that I read recently that says that actually one of the things that causes good employees to want to leave or be disgruntled is actually watching a boss put up with somebody who's not performing. So that yes. would kind of be the same thing, right? Is they've, it's maybe not a favoritism, but 
in, in a way it kind of feels like it because one person's kind of getting away with not pulling their weight and everybody else is sort of watching it be okay. Exactly. Exactly. And it happens all the time. And, you know, that employee's not going to leave because that employee's got it great, right? You know, yeah. I don't, I only have to do half the work and I still collect a paycheck. <laughs> yeah, just look away. I don't care if everyone's watching me. <laughs> I know. And never the people have to have to, you know, pull the other person's weight, which is, it's not fair. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it does. It makes the ones who are pulling the weight and seeing this special treatment, which is what it is, special treatment, um, they're not going to be, they're not happy with it and they're not going to put up with it for long. Yeah. Like you were saying earlier, the, the high performing employees, they're not going to stick around if they're not being treated fairly because they know they're, they're worth more than that. Exactly. And I've heard too, and I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think one of the reasons is because the cost of actually hiring somebody is quite a bit. Yes. It is on average one and a half times an employee salary. So, but this increases if you've got somebody who's maybe a sales um, executive or even CEO. I mean, it could be d- uh, double or even more depending on what they're paid. So yeah, it's extremely expensive. There's a lot of cost when it comes to hiring that yeah, you wouldn't so, think about. So you would think that knowing that, and maybe not enough employers do know that, but having somebody like you come in and actually work with the team actually correct things that are going on is way cheaper than and and more beneficial for everybody than to go and just you know purge and bring in new people and just try again right churning the wheel (laughs) right (laughs) just think about how that impacts the customers right they always have a new face you know whether it's every six months or every year it's like i've just got to know i just got to know jess and now you're giving me somebody else yeah absolutely oh wow that sounds like so many amazing things that I think a lot of people just hadn't really thought about, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like I never would have thought that there would be eight rules that would help to build trust. So, but as you were starting to share them, it's like, yeah, that makes so much sense. Oh yeah, that makes so much sense too. I know. And you can't pick your favorites, right? You can't just say, all right, I'm just not going to play favorites. All right. I know that will not uh, build trust with my team. And then, and then you blow the rule, own it, don't blame it. Yeah, that doesn't work that way. People see through it. So. Yeah, or ah, we don't need to communicate. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's overrated. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay, so Heather, if somebody wanted to learn more about this and, you know, potentially hire you so that they can avoid that cost of having to, you know, hire somebody... <laughs> Um, where, where, where's the best way for somebody to connect with you and, and uh, learn more about what you're offering? Sure. Well, you can connect with me on my website, which is uh, transformationgroupllc.com, www, obviously in front of that. Um, <laughs> I also have a YouTube channel, which is Dr. Heather Williamson, where I share leadership tips uh, twice a week. And you can subscribe to that and check it out. Um, I'm on LinkedIn as well. And um, I think that's really, oh, or you could just email me directly, which is Dr. Heather at transformationgroupllc.com. Perfect. Okay. So before I let you go, I have to ask all my guests, if you could give somebody who's ready to take their business to the next level, one piece of advice, what would you suggest? 
So my one piece of advice for someone who wants to take their business to the next level is to don't try to do everything yourself. And I think this can be a challenge, especially for entrepreneurs, because they've been doing it for so long that they may be a little resistant to delegate. Um, but really, it's important to delegate. And that person, that, that boss should be focused on you know, growth and strategy of the business now and not so much of that detail work that really um, get them to start thinking about, is this really where my attention should be? where my focus should be or and if the answer is no then move it on to somebody else that is able to do the work yeah it's interesting you say that because i finally started doing that myself (laughs) i'm so excited for you yeah it's amazing it's i'm still i mean i'm still struggling a little bit with releasing some control but you know i'll get there i think i think i'll get there (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, it, you know, you got to be able to trust the person that they're going to do the job right. But, you know, it doesn't have to be done exactly the way you do it. Really focus on the end result. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, it is editing my podcast. So I do have to really, really, you know, be careful with it at first, make sure that the person that I've got is doing a really good job, and then I'll be able to relax. So mm-hmm. um, I'm going to learn how to communicate my expectations clearly. Right. And maybe write them down. Yes. Good idea. (laughs) Awesome. Oh, Heather, this is really great. Thank you so much for coming on. And it was nice to kind of have a little bit of a laugh at our jerk boss's expense, but you know, to know that it's, it's not, it's, it's solvable, you know, everybody can be saved. (laughs) Absolutely. And you know, we've all been there. So it's kind of like, all right, you just, it's funny when you were in a leadership role and you get that opportunity, it's like, all right, I, I know I don't want to be like, you know, John or Tim, right? Because, you know, they were jerks. So, all right, I need to figure out what to do better. And so it's an opportunity. Yeah, I'll have to make sure that we um, get your website out there so that employees can just, oops, send it to their boss accidentally. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, that wasn't meant for you. I'm so sorry. But you know what? It's interesting. Maybe you should take a look. <laughs> exactly. Here's oh, a resource it. you might want to check out. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, maybe you have a problem with your boss. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Be all ninja-like, right? <laughs> exactly. Oh, awesome. All right. Well, thanks again, Heather. It was really great uh, chatting with you. I, I got something out of it because... You know, I'm still, I have a boss. I'm lucky right now. My boss is amazing, but um, I've had some jerk bosses in the past. So um, it was really interesting just to hear, well, I'm not alone for starters. And just, you know, for people out there that are still, say, struggling with jerk bosses that, you know, there are things that they can do um, even themselves to be able to create those open lines of communication and, and, and things like that too. So just, you know, really great. Um, resource and really great information that you've shared today. So thank you for that. Well, thank you for having me on your podcast. I really, I really enjoyed this. Awesome. Me too. 